It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Phil Mackey. Probably wants a big amount of money and he's a pain in the ass. Judd Zolgad. Is there nothing you can't make awkward, Judd? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. That was deep in the left. That one's got a chance. And it is a home run for Nador. His first big league hit is a long ball. Three to one, Milwaukee. All right, the Twins' vent lines are open. They just had a road trip in which they won one game in a week and a half. One damn game in a week and a half. Beat the Whiteys. Beat those really, really tough to beat. And you know what? Because that's in the division. That's like two wins. So it was it was like two wins on the road. This might be this is among the worst divisions in the history of Major League Baseball. It is. It I mean, is. it's it, it, it makes me want to puke. It is a bad. I, I look at the standings and want to regurgitate. Twins vent lines are open six five one six four six eight two five five. Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call, guys. Yeah, sure. Uh, you guys uh, were touching a little bit about about it, but I just think it goes back to drafting and developing. You know, signing international free agents. Um, this team has whiffed on you know good high draft picks, and I'm not going to say they whiffed on Buxton because everybody and their brother would have drafted him second overall. But Cole Stewart, fourth overall pick. Tyler J, top ten pick. Jury's out on Nick Gordon. He looks pretty good. Uh, but when you even have those opportunities, you got to take advantage of them. And so. Um, when they've made those big international signings like Sano, you know, Jerry's still out. Young Ho Park, Siyoshi Nishioka, you know, even when they've gone into Asia, it hasn't worked out. So you got a franchise that's never drafted a good shortstop and developed them. I mean, Pat Mears is the greatest shortstop they've ever drafted and developed. Uh, you have a team that, and that's not a good, draft. and that's not a compliment, by the way. I'm no. sure. Yeah. <laughs> no. Go look it up. Yeah. Dating back, it's never. So Nick Gordon and Jorge Polanco don't have huge shoes to fill in the history of this franchise. Royce but Lewis is going to Royce Lewis is going to be their shortstop. Absolutely, yeah. But all right, they didn't draft and develop one good relief pitcher between Glenn Perkins and Trevor Hildenberger, mm-hmm. and Hildenberger is not exactly an all-star. So you know when people go, why is Ryan Presley on the team? Well, they whiffed on twenty relief picks over a decade. Uh, you know they didn't draft and develop one good starting pitcher between Brad Radke and Matt Garza. And if you throw out Garza, since he's pitched about 2% of his career with the Twins, they didn't draft and develop one good starting pitcher between Brad Racky and Jose Barrios. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. Sustainable. Yeah, Mike, so hey, Mike. Gonna yeah, th- thank you for the phone call, Mike, because we're, we're going to um, move on to some You've other stuff. You've gone through that too. list before, yeah, like, though, and it's yeah, pathetic. for sure. It's, uh, but a lot of that, too, is previous to Thad Levine, Derek Falvey, in terms of development and draft picks and things of that nature. 
the one glaring, glaring hole, and Royce wrote about this for Star Tribune, StarTribune.com, catcher. So they have just a hodgepodge of misfits right now, right? Ben Garver. Mitch Garver. I'm sorry, Mitch Garver. Who's Ben Garver? Is there a Ben Garver? I'm sure he's a great guy. Yeah. I'll Google Does him. Does he have a brother named thinking, Ben Garver? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, Ben Rorvet is their okay. is their next catcher that could be considered a prospect. Can he catch He's the ball? He's at high A right now. Because Mitch has never problems catching the ball. I feel bad for Mitch. You'll find Ben Garver at Nebraska Walleye on Twitter. He is a Nebraska Walleye fishing guide. Oh, that's who I was thinking big of. Fisher yes, guy? For sure. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. That's what I was thinking oh, that's of. That's a big fish. Holy cow. That's a good walleye. But they don't have they don't have a catcher right now. And according to MLB.com's top 30 prospects list for each team, they don't have a catcher in their top 20. Number 21 is the aforementioned Ben Rorvet, 20-year-old kid. He's in high A right now. He's a second-round draft pick in 2016. They did draft Ryan Jeffers in the second round out of UNC Wilmington this year. So they got a couple guys who are like 20 years old in the low levels of their minor leagues. But nothing at AA or AAA that you would say, okay, that's a franchise catcher in the works, ready to come up. Oftentimes, because there's not that many great catchers in baseball, there's yeah. some defensive guys. It's, it's kind been, of an overlooked position. It's like, been a problem for a, a while as far as prospects go. Yeah. I think a lot of people consider it almost like a position of luxury where, oh, if you happen to have a Buster Posey or a Joe Maurer in his prime, think about how great that yeah. is for your roster. But if you don't, you can kind of patchwork it. And that's not the, that it's especially if you're a building team and you have a young pitching staff with guys, young relievers, Barrios, Romero, you need someone back there who can command, who can frame, who can call a game. Someone you can plug in on a regular basis. Yes. I actually went back just for fun and looked at the World Series winners and their catchers, their regular catchers, going back 15 plus years. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. You almost never find a team that just kind of shrugs its shoulders and says, ah, whatever at catcher. You'll find all kinds of teams that say, ah, whatever at first base or oh, whoever our DH is, ah, we'll just put a guy in left field. But here's the list of teams that have won the World Series and who their primary catcher was the last 15 years or so. Houston Astros, Brian McCann, one of the better offensive catchers, trustworthy guy. He's in his 30s now, but that's a reliable guy who's played with the Braves, the Yankees, now the Astros. He's been successful almost everywhere he's went. The Cubs, David Ross, great game-calling, trustworthy yeah. defensive catcher. Pitching coach-like. Yeah, and then Wilson Contreras, this young, one of the top young catching prospects, he also split time with David Ross. The Royals had Salvador Perez, who we've seen a million times in this division, right? The Cardinals twice won the World Series with Yadier Molina. That's a Hall of Famer. One of the best. Buster Posey three times with the Giants. Hall of Famer. Red Sox had David Ross in 2007. Mm-hmm. Jorge Posada, Hall of Famer. Yankees, 2009. Uh, Red Sox won the World Series twice with Jason Veritek as their starting catcher, okay. perennial all-star. The Phillies had Carlos Ruiz, who you might say, oh, that's kind of a random guy. No, that's an all-star and a guy who got MVP votes three consecutive seasons with the Phillies in the prime of his career. The White Sox had A.J. Pruszynski, perennial all-star. Marlins had Pudge, Hall of Famer. And the Angels had Benji Molina in 2002. So that's, that, And I'm not skipping any teams. You have to have... An absolute stud or a guy who is reliable enough, like a Jason Veritek, yeah. who can be your starting catcher for a number well, of years. Yes. And Garver can't catch. Like this whole, we we were fed this line uh, last year about, well, he's playing some first base and out, outfield, so he's more versatile. No, he was moved there because he can't catch. He flat out just can't catch. 
and and Castro was supposed to be the the guy. But this organization for a while has struggled to find catching depth and and develop it. So well, behind, well, behind Pierzynski and Maurer, they well, didn't no. really have much of a need to for right. a long but, time. But but you could still draft guys. You still you still could have tried to have someone set to uh, take over that position, and they clearly did not. But yeah, I I just think to go back back to your question about the uh, executives and where things are right now. You know, last year provided this false sense of hope. And so we all said, oh, look, it's not so bad. And this was still in 2016, a team that lost 103 games. So it's not much fun. But the reality is when you're deal when you're dealing with being given the the product that they were, it's going to take patience. Like you're going to the one thing that I would hope that this franchise can find again that, that became the hallmark of it starting in the early 2000s is consistency. Like we go 2015 pop up year. Oh, this is fantastic playoff run potentially. You don't make the uh, playoffs, but it's still you still have a, a nice year. 2016 optimistic, 103 defeats. 2017 this team's a mess. They pop up again. So I think the most important thing here that we're talking about and why why this has to be given time is you've got to get things in place to at least establish a pattern where you might not be great on a yearly basis, but you can be con- consistent because the roller coaster now is ridiculous. Well, you get you get consistency when you're solid. It's so cliche up the middle, but catcher, shortstop, center field. And I think, well, pitching, obviously, so we'll count that as up the middle. If you... If you have catching, pitching, shortstop, center field, the other positions can be a little bit in flux and or platoon-like. You're going to win games with with key contributors at those positions. And right now, the Twins have nothing at catcher. They got nothing in center field because that guy's at AAA Rochester right now. They just got their shortstop back. Yep, they just and, – and even with Escobar there, I mean, they've – They've been okay at shortstop, but we'll see now now that Polanco is back. And I I think they're going to be fine long-term, whether it's Polanco or Royce Lewis at some point. Um, But that's it. I mean, that's... And then pitching, they're working on it. Mm -hmm. But you look up and down, and if if we expanded out with some of these other teams we just mentioned here, like, okay, Houston won the World Series. Brian McCann, lights out pitching, shortstop, Carlos Correa, and then go out to the outfield. Their entire outfield is just incredible. Second base is great, yeah. Yes. Um, and then you look at some of these other teams historically, like the Yankees. Okay, Jorge Posada, Hall of Famer. Shortstop, Derek Jeter, Hall of Famer. Um, center field, they've, they've rotated since Bernie Williams, but they've had some really good center fielders. Johnny Damon, whoever else has helped them out. Helps when you have a $200 million payroll, too. Yeah. But my point is, it's much more important to have a great catcher and a great shortstop and a great center fielder than it is to have a really good left fielder and then like a DH over here, okay? <laughs> That's great. Your first baseman? But if you if you can't field grounders and call games and be solid offensively at those positions and track down fly balls, it doesn't matter who your right fielder is. How concerned are, are you about Kepler, by, by the way? Very, Max, Max Kepler very, has gone and extended. Yeah. This is not a short period of time in a slump. He's gone an extended period of time, and he's not hitting. Yeah, uh, very. Yeah, 651-646-8255. Hey, Mike, you're on the show. Twins vent line. Hey, excellent survey about the catching. I've I've said that for a long time they just kind of ignore it and plug in anybody and think that that's fine but you could do that exact same survey about having an ace pitcher and you will not find any team that went more than one series into the playoffs without having an ace and they do the same thing they think oh we can get that that pitcher costs too much we'll just go with the guys we can get by with 
here's a Tommy John pitcher. We'll get, we'll try him. And it's the same thing. So without having an ace and without having solid catching, they're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Mike, thanks thanks for the phone call, man. Yeah, it's you. You can't just oh, let's just grab a guy off. And I get right now they're just doing what they have yeah. to do to survive because there's just there's nothing in the cupboards right now above Fort Myers. But you can't just go out there and say ah, this random thirty year old dude off waivers is going to catch for us for a while, right? And, but that's about developing. See, Mike, I think Mike's saying that the Twins don't go out and sign guys. Well, you you go out and potentially get ace guys in big trades and and give up prospects when you're just about there. Mm-hmm. But our conversation goes back to this. When you look at crucial positions, the Twins administration didn't develop players in several key places, and that includes catcher that that you just went through. That includes it has been shortstop and pitching, starting pitching. How many guys that they drafted were even serviceable, let alone what you could consider to be even close to a a two or a one? They're not. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, and it goes so back the, to Brad Radke. And it's obviously going to take more time for this new regime to, to get their fingerprints on developing and drafting. Let's take one more call on this. Twins vent line. Luke, go ahead. Hey, I'm just calling about this trade deadline stuff that people get into. And I look back at the last 11 years when the Twins uh, dumped salary when they were sellers. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of years where they added, like, Pavano and stuff. But usually they're sellers. And they have gotten nothing. Never. Not once in, in like nine years of being sellers in the last 11. They've got nothing. And I think you still should get rid of people who aren't in your plans for next year, like Dozier, Lynn, Fernando, Rodney. But I think you guys and everybody in this town is dead wrong about trading Escobar. And some people have talked about trading Gibson. I don't think you trade people that you really like and that you'd want to have back next year that are like really solid players. Otherwise, you're just going to step back. You're going to get another Drew Butera in return. It just just sets the team backwards. And I think it's kind of like a Terry Ryan kind of uh, approach to this thing that uh, has gotten the uh, Mackies and Doogies and people in the world thinking that that these are great moves. You You know, sell the guy who's got the highest trade value. Well, why? You get nothing. You've never gotten anything in return. So that's my point. All right. Thanks. I think... Escobar can come back though. That's you yeah, could trade him correct. and re-sign him. And and I, I think if you if you start to, I guess I, that was a bit of a convoluted point. But is the point that you should re-sign Escobar to a long-term extension instead like of him. trade him? You could do both. Exactly. You could do both. Unless you think that Gibson's more on point because he he would if you trade him he's gone. Escobar. You trade him, you get something for him, you love yeah. each other, he but just resigns signs with you. But Gibson's 30 years old, too. If Gibson were blossoming with a year and a half left at age 27, I would say, okay, you want this for five more years. Gibson might be one of your most valuable trade pieces because he's an actual rotational guy. You could you could start him maybe in a playoff game. I think I think the flaw, too, is the, the public thinks that, that you get to the de- deadline and you make these trades and trade these guys and you should get a haul. That's not how this works now. Terry spoiled us a little bit because of the Przinsky trade. That was 15 years ago. That's too. my point. But yeah. my point is baseball's changed, and we think, well, if you're going to trade Dozier, you should get three top prospects. Guess yeah. what? You'd be lucky to get one good prospect. Yeah. All right. We got uh, Minnesota sports prop bets when we come back. Stuff you should know about in Roy Smalley in about 45 minutes. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500. ESPN. I have a business proposition for you. I have a proposition for you. I've got a proposition for you guys.
guys. I want to hear proposition. It's Minnesota Sports Profit Time with Mackie and Judd. All right, gentlemen. Roy Smalley in about 40 minutes. Here are some Minnesota Sports Prop Bets and Over-Unders, courtesy of executive producer of this segment, Dave Harrigan. Max would usually be producing this segment, but Max is getting drunk with friends and family. Must be good to be the intern. Absolutely blitzed. He said, yeah, you know, uh, the gal's family has a nice little little beans. In air quotes, cabin. It's supposed to be my role, right? Take advantage. To take time off and go get drunk? What the hell is Max doing? No, you don't take time off to get drunk. You just get drunk. Yeah, you show up every morning. <laughs> you mean like Tuesday Fresh night? Fresh as a daisy. You mean like Tuesday night? Oh, boy. Still recovering. Well, you just got blasted on Tuesday I night? I went to a friend's house and had quite a few beers, yeah. <laughs> this is the night before the 4th of July. and uh, Always a big drinking night. Night before yeah, the 4th, you know baby. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm establishing that. When I, I'm always on the cutting edge, right? So, so in the 80s, the night before Thanksgiving was a big deal, but not yet as big as it's become. And so I was like, always out. Now, I never go out then. You know why? Yeah. Too popular. You know, I popularize these things and then I get the hell trendsetter. out. trendsetter. I always find the Wednesday after Labor Day is a great drinking yes. night, Yes. Oh. You know what? Go right ahead. Establish it. Yeah. Establish it. Make it known. People will follow. Next thing you know, you'll say, I'm not going out on that day because it's too busy. What about the third Tuesday before Halloween? You guys night ever before, get up? Night I mean, before that's... the 4th of July. I am instituting the, the 3rd of July that evening is the greatest drinking night in America. Now let's press on. Let's move forward with that. All right, here are some prop bets. <laughs> Over never... under how many beers Judd's going to drink tomorrow night before the weekend. Yes, Dave. Nine and a half. It's what everybody needs, a massive hangover on the 4th of July, and then just boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. No more fireworks. Let's sleep in and let's get rid of fireworks. This all goes with the Zolgad plan. It's perfect. Oh, go ahead, Phil. All right. All right. Let's start with this one. Rank them based on outcome most likely, okay? Four options. Rank them. Wolves make a significant trade. Wild make a significant trade. Both make significant trades. Or neither makes a significant trade. So this, this summer. Um, I, I will, no. the third one's very tempting, but I'm going to go with this. I think uh, Paul Fenton's going to observe, take some time, and digest exactly what what he has to work with, and he's going to find a team uh, that in free agency possibly didn't get a player that they wanted, and so I'm going to go with Wild makes a significant trade. Okay, I'm going to go with Wolves do not. Well, so, you need to rank all four of those. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were just asking on the. Are you two. still drunk? <laughs> yeah, I might be. I might be. Uh, so, there the great. Okay, so Here, like I'll give so you number mine. three. I'll give wait, you wait, mine. wait, wait, wait. So three. So so three. <laughs> so three is three is that they that both don't make a significant trade. And then the fourth one is a fourth one. Is Whatever. that they both make a significant <laughs> yes. trade? Yes. So that's, that's the last wrong. one. Number one is neither. Number two is wild. <laughs> Number three is both. Number four is only wolves. I'm closer to Dave, although I'm going to put wild making a significant trade number one. I, I still think that's going to happen. And then neither would be number two, followed by the same order Dave had there. Um, if the wolves have one and only one all-star next season, who is it? Stick with us on this one, Judd. One and only one. Oh. Rank the one and only one all-star the Wolves would have <laughs> next season. only all-star that they're going to have next season. You know what I'm going to go with? I'm going to go with one Carl Anthony Towns. 
Uh, because I am not convinced that that Butler stays healthy. If if I w- if he didn't have a trend of getting hurt, it would probably be him. But I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. That knee that knee starts to bark at him again, or something goes wrong, and so he again uh, pre All Star break. Let's say misses 10 to 15 games. So I'm going to go with your one All Star uh, for 2018 19 on the Wolves is Cat. Totally agree, and it's it's even if both guys were healthy and playing at peak level, let's say let's say they both played every game of the first half of the season. Look at the wings in the Western Conference right now. LeBron James, that's an all-star. So tips, James Harden, so MVP. Wings, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Kevin Durant is still considered a wing player, even though he's like 6'10". Mm-hmm. Although that might change a little with the all-star balloting, but Clay Thompson is a wing player that, you, that would be in this mix. So I think, not that the big man uh, with Anthony Davis, and there's a lot of big men in, in the Western Conference too, but I think it's an easier path to be an all-star if you're Carl Anthony Towns than if you're Jimmy Butler. Probably an easier path, but I still lean towards Jimmy only because I think the playoffs this year probably showed the rest of the league that Carl still has things to prove. Carl. Where I think the rest of the league believes that Jimmy absolutely does not, and he sort of gets the pass that Carl does not get yet, especially after being ripped by Chuck and Shaq for four games against the Rockets. If his name was something other than Carl, if it was like a tough guy name, if his name was Bruce Anthony Towns, <laughs> yeah. would we think he was tougher would Jimmy Butler respect him more? Because Carl just, I don't know. No, there's something about the name that, Carl. Carl's not that bad. No. Carl's like a working man's name. Yeah, Carl's okay. And it's all right. Is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. If if it were like Devon, then he'd be in big trouble. <laughs> Devon? Yeah. If his name were Devon. he'd be a Devon flashy center fielder. Towns, then you'd be like, oh, that, that name, uh-uh, he don't work hard. But I think Carl, Carl's... What Carl if his name was grind. Frank? Frank oh, Towns. Oh, grind, Grinder. Frank Towns. Grinder. Grinder. Grinder, definitely. <laughs> His name is just Grit. Grit Town. That's what you should change it to. Grit he, Anthony Town. He should he should go to the courthouse today and legally change it and show up and say, look, look you two SOBs, I changed my name. Or, or Nails with a Z. That's right. <laughs> nails! I'm Nails. Nails Towns. Oh, that'd be a great Tibbs name to bark out. All right, a Twins prop bet here. Percent chance Paul Molitor is still the Twins manager at the start of next season. David? Um, I think it's still high. Um, I think it's tough to put a lot of the blame on him this year, so I would say we're at 70% still. Oh, I'm going to go way lower than that because it's it's not the blame game. It's about it's about Falvey actually get, getting the guy he wants and always keeping in mind that he was told after 2017 you can't make a change in the dugout. I'm going to say a 20% chance. I think that there's a, I think wow. there's a very good chance they're they're going to go back to Jim now and say you made us take him he had one good good year he's not our guy we want to get things right in 2019 starting in 2019 boy it might I not mean, be else's fault but if it was a two year contract instead of a three year I would say zero percent chance he comes back that they would just make the move eating two years this remember this is a manager that the ownership group demanded stay on so they they, they think That's enough yes. of him and there's family connections there that go way back i'm closer to dave here i think there's a 60 percent chance he comes back so like i'll say kind of a coin flip chance but only because two years left on the contract and there's not some hidden third year mutual option it's it's a ironclad yeah, it's, it's supposedly a straight three-year contract yeah no it, okay. it'll be tough it'll be tough to to do but i think they might do it the Twins right now, what's uh, what's six, uh, 68 win pace right now? So 162 minus uh, 68. So they're on pace for 94 losses right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you this one. Over or under 95 and a half losses. Will they get to, will they get 
96 losses or more on their uh, resume this year. I'm going to. Will g- they keep playing at this porous pace? Uh, no, I'm going to give you un- under that because no, no matter how hard they try, I think eventually you're going to start to stumble into wins against KC and Chicago, who you've got left, and e- even Detroit. But Kansas City and uh, the White Sox are absolutely just, they're god awful. They don't care now. They're going to care less. I think the Twins actually want to try to care. They're just not that good. But I'm going to say that your division alone will help save you from that. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? It was supposed to. I mean, when's the last time they stumbled into wins against the White Sox? No, and I'm saying that the, last the White Sox... series have not been great. Yeah. The White Sox, I think, are going to grow more disinterested as the summer goes on. Uh, you know? I want to say it's going to be fewer than, what would you put it, 95, 96 losses, whatever yeah. it is. But... Man, I'm worried it's going to go the other way, especially if you trade pieces. I mean, not that not that Dozier's been great, not that you know Lance Lynn has been great, or Fernando Rodney obviously has uh, been very good after April, but if you trade pieces, who's going to replace him? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I, I'm. <laughs> That's the right answer. I'm going to say under. I actually think what they're going to do here is once they trade pieces away. Nick Gordon's going to come up. I think Nick Gordon's the type of guy that he's going to come up, make contact, and give you a bit of a spark once they trade Dozier. Gonsalves has been... He's walking too many guys, but Gonsalves has been good. Like you're, There's enough guys, and with Polanco back in the lineup, you have opportunities for sparks here, and there's been so many things that have gone against you. Like Buxton's going to come up at some point and at least catch fly balls, right? So at the very least, he's going to catch fly balls so that you don't have yeah, I hope so. yeah, a hodgepodge in yeah. center field. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say that they, they play closer to 500 ball the rest of the year and make it not quite as embarrassing. Dave, what's coming up in stuff next? <laughs> it's supposed to be like this. Remember a couple of years ago when it's Buxton's going to come up here, he's going to be great. Now it's Nick Gordon's going to come up here, he's going to be great, and Buxton's <laughs> going to have. He's going to be a glove man, baby. That's all we Flash have. and leather. Uh, there were a lot of hot dogs eaten yesterday. And so many good things to come out of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. That is going to dominate stuff with a couple other nuggets thrown in. Nice. And Smalley will join us here in about 30 minutes. Uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota back open today. Uh, Like most of us yesterday, they were hanging out with friends and family. They're back open today with some great specials for you. Uh, two, Two different things to take note of here. This is definitely cabin season and road trip season. So if you have a battery that you think might be on the verge uh, you've got other things maintenance-wise that you just want peace of mind on. Take your car in to my friends in that service department. They'll do a battery inspection, by the way, and uh, and and get get you some peace of mind on that front. But take it in. It's one of the best facilities in the metro area, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard. Also, great lease specials right now on 2018 Camrys and RAV4s. I love the leasing plans because every two or three years, you get into something new and uh, and, and you you don't pay as much as you would, too, on a financing plan, uh, I, I on a monthly basis anyways. I just like the new technology, the new upgrades. $309 a month right now on a 36-month lease for that new RAV4 or that new Camry. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and Luther Brookdale, Toyota.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. You got to act excited. You got a gift. You got to act excited. But some of you are going. What are we going? On 1500 ESPN. Woo! Stop! 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 What Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now? 
Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. Lots of hot dog stuff today, is that right? Tons of wiener-related material, Judd. Tons of it. But we're not going to start there. We're going to start elsewhere in New York. We're going to start with the New York Yankees. I'm sure you guys know that it was John Sterling's 80th birthday yesterday. He looks pretty good for 80, by the way. Looks very good. Sounds great for 80. Yeah. If you can have those pipes when you're still 80, that would be outstanding. I'd take that. Well, I'm sure you guys heard they were playing it on Golik and Wingle this morning. A little tribute that his former partner, now broadcasting on the TV side with the uh, Yes Network, Michael Kay did. Mm -hmm. The uh, Giancarlo Stanton home run. Michael Kay brought out the, uh, the John Sterling call. That one's drilled deep to right field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. A home run for Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, Giancarlo. No say Paul Comparlo. A Stantonian blast. And the Yankees lead by a score of four to nothing. Paul O'Neill getting a kick out of that in the TV Pretty good. booth. That was only the second most interesting thing I found on the Yankees broadcast yesterday. Because a fella by the name of Kyle Higashioka hit a home run for the Yankees. Okay. You familiar with Kyle? No idea who that is. Catcher. Backup catcher. He oh. was uh, playing so they, the game. They have some catching depth. They have some catching depth, apparently. Interesting. Okay. If you were John Sterling and had to come up <laughs> oh with a home God. run call for Kyle Higashioka... Oh my God. What do you think it would sound like? Any ideas? I don't even want to guess. I, I just want to hear it. Oh my God. You, you know you want to hear Glorious. it. Glorious. And the bit swung on, hit high in the air to deep left. Acuna going back on the track at the wall. She is gone. Is he amazing? Kyle Higashioka has three hits, and they're all home runs on this homestand. Higashioka. The home run stroker. He does it again. A blast into the left field seats. The Yankees take a 5 nothing lead. No. How good is that? It's his 80th birthday. Yes. Do what you want. Do what no. you want. No. Stroker. The home run stroker. <laughs> you know what? It's great. I used to think those calls were campy and bad. And I now know. I, and now they've gotten to a point. I just love them all. I'm done, cherish, I'm done with Corey Provis now. I'm sorry, cher- Corey. I cherish not John Sterling's enough. entire body of work. <laughs> How can you not? All right. Let's talk wieners. Did you guys watch it all yesterday? I missed it yesterday. I saw, oh. the, saw some of the replay, which is mostly just grown men stuffing hot dogs into their faces. I did not to see it. It makes you want to regurgitate every time. When you get to the end of it, and you're watching that replay, and Joey Chestnut's just shoving food in his mouth, and he looks completely just miserable. Yeah. And then hearing him on... What is it, uh, Golik and Wingo yes. this morning? Oh. Talking about how his digestive system takes like a couple days to sort of figure itself out. <laughs> yeah, shall I'm we sure say? It does. Yeah. I saw a quote from one of the competitors. He was asked, "What is your next uh, bowel movement like?" And the answer was, "Well, you got to pay for uh, your sins, basically." Carnage. <laughs> yes. Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you know. Well, I caught a little bit of it live and. I don't think it gets much better. Maybe John Sterling's better, but uh, George Shea, he's the big MC guy. He wears the straw hat. 
He's up there every year. He and his brother actually run Major League Eating, at least as far as the publicity. His brother, Richard Shea, is on the broadcast. He's the analyst guy for ESPN. Yeah. But George Shea is the MC actually on the site, introducing all the people to the crowd and calling the action as it goes. I don't know if you guys are aware of how good he is on the mic. I learned in just doing my research, his wife writes for the WWE and used to produce soap operas. So oh, wow. clearly it runs in the family. Wow. Uh, but the intros for the competitors, for the contestants, are rather amazing. I've got a few of them here. Okay. First, Pablo Martinez. The difficulty in his marriage began after he named his children mild, medium, and hot. <laughs> but he will not let domestic issues get in the way of the task at hand. How about Buffalo Jim Reeves? His good cholesterol is low. His bad cholesterol is high. And his BMI is borderline presidential. <laughs> good. Eric Badlands Booker, who is not only a competitive eater, but also a rapper. So George decided to get in on the action. It's time to take your stand, test my salivary glands, test my teeth and my tongue, take my life in my hands, gonna eat with Badlands, compete with Badlands, go for broke, go to town, go for down on demand. Wow, this is, this is quite the introduction. I didn't realize it operated it oh. like this. Oh, it gets better. We have the 74-year-old contestant, yes, 74 years old, and he ate something like 25-ish hot dogs, something like that, Rich Lefevre. We are young, we drink our coffee with milk and sugar. And as we age, we drink it with milk only. Then we drink it black, then we drink it decaf, then we die. Our next eatery is at decaf. <laughs> <laughs> And the one, of course, for the returning uh, champion. Strap in. It's a long one. When all the world's languages are poured into a single bowl, the word recognizable to all will be freedom. The force that binds our atoms together, the legacy we leave our children. And he will fight at any cost for its cause until his spine collapses under the burden. Until his bones are cracked and splintered and scraped like chalk on pavement. Until he lies, coins on his eyes, duty done, wages paid, battle won, he will fight. For he is the champion of now and of always, of north and of south, of the air, of the fire, of the sea, of the land, of the free, of the fourth of July, of what nation? Under God! Indivisible! He is champion. Joey Chestnut! Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! Michael Buffer! Oh. Count your days! Oh. Eat your heart Can out, we, Michael Buffer. Well, like, we need UFC or something. Maybe it's WWE. We need more of that. I like the Buffers and all, but the Buffers have had a monopoly on pre-match and pre-fight introductions for a long time. this guy involved? I think we should, yes. Absolutely. So now we get to the competition itself. Joey Chestnut breaking his own world record. 74 dogs completed and buns, of course. By the way, before uh, Kobayashi and Chestnut started doing this level of hot dog eating, I think previously it was like 20 or 25 was the record. Then Kobayashi got to 50. And they didn't even have enough numbers to count the first time he had 50 hot dogs. Yeah. And now we're up to 74, you said? <laughs> yes. That's absurd. 74! 
Adam Amin and Richard Shea uh, on the broadcast. Look at uh, Darren Breeden. I think that, you know, it's looking like food karaoke. He's mimicking exactly what Joey does. Two dogs, two buns, dunk, eat. Two dogs, two buns, dunk, eat. But I could grow my hair out like Steven Tyler. It doesn't mean I'm going to hit the high notes on Dream On. And I want to ask you while we have a moment before we get to the end. Whatever happened to Liv Tyler? I was a fan. It's <laughs> a good question. It was her birthday a couple days ago. I follow Steven Tyler on Instagram, and he sang a song for his daughter Liv on Instagram. She quit, right? Acting? I haven't seen did her in, in ages. Yeah, it's a very no. good question. It might have been a forced quit. Did he sing Happy Birthday or just some other random song? You know, I watched it with the volume down. I didn't hear the song. <laughs> I'm sure it was a nice message. And when you... <laughs> just sings Love in an Elevator? <laughs> <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you make a movie like Armageddon, why make another one? You've peaked yeah, at that point. I was point. a big, big fan. Well, He's great. He's well, right. Adam Amin breaking down Joey Chestnut's training. Joey told us that he had salmon for dinner Sunday night and nothing but liquids right and a protein Matthew shake on Monday. Joey, fasted on Tuesday. Came in about 215 pounds at contest time. A lot of those folks who are unfamiliar with this think that everybody's going to be a 400-pounder. Not the case. Joey runs 10 miles a week. He said it helps his endurance and his breathing as he gets to about this point when you start to near the wall around the three-minute mark. It's a damn athlete right there. Look at the oh research done, too. An athlete. Look at the research being done. That's impressive. So how long is it? 10 minutes, right? Or 12? 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Okay. So you hit the wall after seven minutes. That's amazing that you could eat like that for seven minutes. Still powering through. Luckily, as he went down the stretch, things were still looking pretty good, weren't they, Richard Shea? Joey just went out with the gloves off. I mean, so much for the aw shuck smile. Joey has tossed aside civility and chivalry. This is war for Joey on the corner of Surf and Stillwell. He is the William Tecumseh Sherman of hot dog eating, marching to the sea with a stop at Nathan's Famous. And finally, as the final buzzer sounded. You know, we talk about fake news, what's real, what's fake. I got a couple things that are real. Here's the truth. We are witnessing greatness, athletic mastery. This is not a parlor trick. This is not sleight of hand. This is Major League Eating's best ever. Joey, the best ever to play the game. You want another truth? Verdicchio is the sleeper wine of this summer, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, more of this guy. This is the greatest thing in the history of sports TV. So what's the deal? So Kobayashi, it's some contractual thing where he doesn't participate in the hot dog eating contest anymore. Didn't he get arrested too at one point in time? Yeah, he just showed up. That was like seven years ago. I'd have to look into all the details, but yes, it was major fallout, and Chestnut continues to say he wants him back in it. But Because Kobayashi is still a competitive eater and and does all kinds of other... I don't know if you call them tournaments or events or whatever, but he doesn't yeah. do the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Yes. Feels like he's ducking chestnuts. Let's get him back. Let's get him back. Mm-hmm. Maybe his I ego can't that. handle getting beat by five hot dogs. Maybe we need a primetime event. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be Nathan's. Just put it on a, on a Saturday night. It could be like those uh, versus Kobayashi. Yeah, like the Tiger Woods, David Duvall, yeah. the shootout in Doral. Under the lights. Like at a golf course, just eating hot dogs. <laughs> I was thinking more like Shaq versus. Remember that yeah. show? <laughs> yeah. Shaq versus Michael Phelps. Yeah. Can he swim 10 meters before yeah. Phelps can swim 7,000? <laughs> Probably not. Shaq just drowns right away. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roy Smalley in about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Again, this is where perception and facts are going to meet in the middle here. You're going to be perception. I'm going to be facts. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Get Minnesota United match reactions plus MLS news straight from the team every Tuesday. It's the Adrian Heath Show. Adrian Heath and Jamie Watson. 
And it just so happens it's coming Tuesday. They'll be at Brit's Pub, downtown Minneapolis, for a live broadcast, 6 to 7, presented by Heineken. Come watch the show, talk soccer with the guys, win prizes, much, much more. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. So Richard Shea is the president of Major League Eating, as well as the, I don't know if that was obvious or not, but I just looked up Major League Eating, because I want to get to the bottom of why Kobayashi doesn't compete in these events anymore. Mm-hmm. Kobayashi won six straight. Kobayashi was the one that put that event on the map, right? Yes. That dude comes in and starts eating 50 hot dogs in 10 minutes, and people are like, what? In the early 2000s. And he's just a little guy, too. I mean, Joey Chestnut's not big, but Kobayashi was a tiny little fella. Correct. And then they've competed against each other with a bunch of other random contestants, and, and Chestnut beat him in three straight, and then... 2010 is the incident Judge talking about where Kobayashi showed up to the event, but he wasn't competing and he jumped on stage and they arrested him. Yep. So here's the story about why Kobayashi doesn't compete in the Nathan's hot dog eating contest anymore. Contract dispute. So they recap when 29 year old Joey Chestnut, this is from uh, the postgame.com. When Chestnut started dominating the Nathan's hot dog eating contest in 2007, he pulled the upset ended Kobayashi's run of six straight titles, and then beat Kobayashi in overtime in 2008. How did that work? Overtime? Like a 60-second overtime or what? Sudden death. Shootout. (laughs) Whoever dies. Shootout. Penalties. (laughs) Uh, And then he beat him by three and a half hot dogs in 2009, and then Kobayashi walked. In 2010, Kobayashi refused to sign a contract with Major League Eating, the organization that runs... Nathan's hot dog eating contest and also many similar events like wing eating and all these things, Twinkies. Uh, and then that's, that's the year where he famously showed up to protest the event. So as one can imagine, competitive eating isn't the most lucrative sport and athletes often sign endorsements to boost their income. Major league eating wants a cut of any endorsement signed by one of its competitors. And Kobayashi thought that was too much to ask by refusing to sign Kobayashi has since been banned from competing in major league eating events and his photo has been removed from Nathan's three-story high wall of fame. Oh, he's been washed away. Wow. Like he didn't They've exist. One of the him. greats, Babe Ruth. These developments have seriously damaged Kobayashi's celebrity and legend. Imagine if LeBron James couldn't compete in the NBA. Um, as Adam Felder writes in The Atlantic, Major League Eating and Kobayashi would both benefit from giving in to the other's demands. The Nathan's contest figures to be more competitive with Kobayashi involved. Hell yeah, get those two back in. It's been eight years. Um, And yeah, as no other eater has been able to give Joey Chestnut as much as a a challenge. As Kobayashi would have the exposure of being on the center stage for the sport's most visible event as well. High Uh, time we get this resolved. He he signed with Hoffman's, a hot dog company based in upstate New York. So his return to Major League Eating in the short term seems unlikely. The deal with Hoffman's gives him an annual salary of $100,000, 2% of supermarket sales on hot dogs, and an undisclosed stake in a planned restaurant chain, according to a BuzzFeed report. But what's he doing, though? So he's making more money doing that, presumably. Yeah, but, but he, doesn't, he doesn't get to be part of the He's disappeared, though, right? Couldn't they just strike a deal for the one event where he just comes in for, like, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest? We don't need the, the wing event, whatever. You go eat wings on your own. Sounds like they're very stubborn about this, though. But th- that's too bad. Or or why doesn't Hoffman's pursue uh, Chestnut? Because th- those are the o- only two guys you care about, right? And then you would just have your own. I don't care own... about the rest of the field. Yeah, what's... What, just pursue at, those two. Pay them a lot. That's a good point. At what? So what's the more 
prestigious brand, Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on 4th of July, or Chestnut versus Kobayashi. I know which one I care about. For the past two years, Kobayashi has taken part in separate hot dog eating contests or exhibitions on July 4th. In 2011, he downed an unofficial world record 69 hot dogs. No pun intended. And last year, he ate 58 and a half. Slacker. Uh, this article's from a few years ago here. This is from like 2013. But nobody knows it. Yeah. But he's, so making, but he's, he's making a living. He's getting a cut of, I don't know what, 2% of supermarket hot dog sales with for Hoffman's. I don't know what kind of money Hoffman that brings Hoffman hot dogs. I'd never heard of them. I just looked them up. Looks like they're I mean, not not exactly a nationally known brand. Yeah. You know, they're, they're certainly not Nathan's or, or Oscar Mayer ballpark. So why doesn't ESPN Disney cut a, a one-time deal with both and just say, we're going to pit you two if there's going to be nobody else. We'll pay you a lot. It'll be a primetime show. People watch this. For sure they would. And just say, yes, Nathan's too bad. <laughs> Hoffman's too bad. We're going to we're gonna pay these two a lot to be on primetime ABC, like Dave said, you, Saturday night. You know what the sad part about this is for Major League Baseball? If you put that event on, oh, it, it would triple the rating crush, of Sunday Night Baseball. It crushes, <laughs> it crushes the Cubs-Cardinals game. They could do it at a Major League Stadium, too. And, and more people would be interested in that event. Although it would be a fun one-time, one-off event. I imagine Joey's simple. probably banned from participating in anything that's not Major League eating, though. He is, yes. I mean, yeah, you 100%. just don't, you don't farm out those skills to anybody else. Yeah, but what if you went to them and said, when, when your, your contract was up, I'm going to do a one-time deal... And if you don't allow me to, I'm out of here. I've got a list of all the major league eating events right now too. So there's the obviously the uh, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. The upcoming events on July 15th. There's a Vaughn Pizza Fest International Pizza Eating Championship. Four thousand dollars to that's a four thousand dollar prize purse. They've got a taco eating contest on July 20th. Uh, a state fair ice cream eating championship on August fifth. Well, that would not. That be, sounds painful. That would not be good for me. How about this one at the Wisconsin State Fair on August eleventh? A world cheese curd eating championship. Well, I'm sure the champion will eat a lot there. Yeah, no question about it. There's another hot dog eating contest. This one's in Des Moines. There's a bunch of hot dog eating contests on uh, August eleventh. But if you're Joey Chestnut, you only show up to yeah, the one. He's there, like right? the Tiger Woods, right? Right. You show up to the majors and a few others that you've got a stake in. How about a bratwurst eating championship on August 25th? That'd be a lot to ask. Buffalo Buffet Bowl. Buffalo Cuisine. I'm beginning to feel ill just hearing these. (laughs) Buffalo Cuisine? What does that that mean? We're just going to put a bunch of stuff in a bowl and pour buffalo sauce over it? (laughs) Hey, it's cuisine over here. (laughs) It's in a baseball helmet. That sounds really (laughs) disgusting. Uh, and then there's there's uh, there's a poutine eating championship ah! on October 13th. How would that even go down? Oh, forget it. Poutine. I don't eating. get poutine. I don't. I don't get. It's just I'm fries. with you on that. Yeah, I, I know thought it, it would love it. Just sounds th- really unappetizing. It, I thought it would be great. I was wrong. It's not. <laughs> it's not that good. Oh, that's great. It's like it's like what about eating oysters. Death. There's, a, there's an like oyster eating, eating championship death. in June every year. That wouldn't be that hard to eat them. I mean, you just they just come back up pretty quick. Right, that's not that's not allowed. You got to keep it down. That's the rules. I would have no chance. The first rule of major league eating, Judd. Then I would be out. I doubt that. Actually, I think you'd do pretty well in one of these contests. No, 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 no. I think no. we've added another item to the Judd Zogad nope. athlete no, challenge list. Nope, nope, not signing up for that one. Roy Smalley next.